This is Books and Nachos, a podcast for those of us who find excitement in the pages of a good book. Fiction and nonfiction, graphic novels and more, we're here to help you find something great to read. Hello and welcome to Books and Nachos, the Venganza Media podcast about all things in print. I'm your host, Stuart in L.A., here to tell you the war is over. We've reached the end of this three-part series covering an extended alien universe storyline that had xenomorphs taking over Earth. In fact, the four-issue comic released by Dark Horse at the end of 1990 has been collected and titled Earth War. But if you're sticking with the novelization, the one that came after Alien 3 but took on these adventures and incorporated it into the same universe... That war is called Female War, and it's probably a better name for it, honestly, although it makes it sound like a PMS thing. The men take a back seat in this final battle here. Hicks, I think he spends a few scenes working out in a gym, and Newt's torn-in-half android lover is a guilty memory, but not a character in this storyline. It's all about the ladies, and none bigger than Ripley. She returned in the last issue last panel, to lead the charge to take back her planet from her nemesis. And her storyline is going to play out very differently in graphic novel form than it is in the book. It's a large difference this time, unlike the last two installments where I felt like the prose novel and the comic book were more or less in sync. Here we're going to get different stories, because one is trying to play into what happened after James Cameron's movie. And the first issue of the comic really is about Ripley explaining to Newt why she left her for the last 10 years, what she's been doing. Ripley would have liked to have gone home with Newt and raised her as her daughter and done everything that the James Cameron movie had led us to expect, but that isn't what was in the cards. We find out that not only did the company plant Paul Reiser's character into Ripley's mission into LV-426, they sent a whole second set of Marines to follow up and ensure that Paul Reiser got out with those alien specimens. And that second mission is led by a real jerk named Hankerson. And Hankerson extorts Ripley's involvement returning to LV-426 for a third time. She actually was woken from cryosleep while Newt, Hicks, Bishop were all out of commission and told that she had to return to the space jockey ship. I guess it was not destroyed when the colony exploded. But she had to return there to help them get eggs. And if she didn't do that, they would hurt Newt. They would actually put her in the danger and bring her to the planet. So in order to preserve Newt, she had to leave her forever, or at least for the last ten years. And, of course, the mission did not go well. Hankerson gets his just desserts for being a terrible company man. But Ripley does get a new crew of pirates out of this, that she actually bonds with some of the grunts and they get away in a ship and presumably for the last decade they have been thwarting company missions. They are outlaws. They could not return to Earth, but they have been out in space fighting the good fight. What does this mean for Female War, a novel that has changed the names of Newt and Hicks to Billy and Wilkes because it wanted to keep continuity with what David Fincher did in Alien 3? Well, Fincher didn't just kill Newton Hicks in Alien 3. He also killed Ripley. So how is it that she's here? 
We don't know. In the book version, she is a mystery even to herself. She has amnesia. She remembers the adventures on LV-426. She does not remember crashing on a prison planet. She does not remember where she has been for the last 10 years. She woke up in a lab. She's had ongoing headaches. But she found her way to Gateway Station, and she's now ready to be herself again. But she has largely spent a decade almost catatonic. But the two stars of this story, they have a different relationship from the get-go, because Newt holds on to her anger. Even though Play has an explanation for why she's not been around, it doesn't change the fact that Newt has felt abandoned and angry at Ripley. And because Billy doesn't know Ripley... The only thing they play with is that Ripley is haunted by guilt for leaving her daughter. If you remember the extended cut of James Cameron's movie, she had a daughter. They bring that back in. So they want to have Ripley trying to atone for her sins of being a bad mother. And they do it in comic book by having Newt there. It's a little bit more abstracted in the novel because we have to remember Amanda, daughter she left behind. And never came home to see. So what's the plan? How is Ripley going to literally rid Earth of every last xenomorph? Countries have fallen. The entire sense of society has collapsed because at this point aliens outnumber humans and that the few humans that are on the surface are either running scared or are part of a cult in which they believe aliens are gods and are doing their bidding. They're essentially drones dragging humans to alien nests to be infected. Well, no matter what you read, graphic novel or book, her solution is terrible. <laughs> I hate that we've built up to an installment that is so insufficient, but I've got to say, Earth War, Female War, war is hell. This chapter is a huge letdown. So huge. Whatever you feel about how Alien 3 went or Alien Resurrection, this is actually worse. The brilliant scheme is that she's been having a dream of a super queen. Yes, there's something more fearsome than the thing she faced off in the conclusion of the Cameron movie. There aren't just queens of nests. There's actually a super mom that is the mother to all aliens. And she is living on a planet. It wasn't really clear to me whether this planet is the planet visited in the first Aliens series, or whether it's some new planet, but there are several people that have been dreaming of them. Newt's even been dreaming of this creature. She didn't know what it was, but she knew that it had a maternal relationship with her, even as it threatened her life. And all of these people that are dreaming of the super alien are going to go steal a ship, fly to go get her, and bring her to Earth where she will then call all of her children to her, and the entire world's populations of xenomorphs will swim, take a trolley. I don't know how they'll get to Northern California, but they'll drop her off in Northern California, where there is also a supply of nuclear weapons, and detonate them once every alien is within the bomb range. I think the shoddiness of that idea speaks for itself. I could poke all kinds of holes with what happens. I mean, why aren't there weapons of mass destruction in satellite form that they could already be dropping bombs? Why didn't they drop bombs before the contagion spread out of a continent? Uh, 
It doesn't matter. We've got to deal with Super Alien. I don't like it. You shouldn't like it. But this is the hand we've been given. And so what I'm wondering at this point is, can they at least make a good pulpy adventure? Because I don't like how they're expanding the universe. I don't like the idea that there is this Super Queen. And I certainly don't like the fact that Ripley knows about it through happenstance. I mean, I guess it makes a little bit more sense in the book because she's this mystery. We don't know what she knows. We don't know what she's experienced in the 10 years. Although the illustrators have changed from series to series, there has been one consistent writer for all of the Aliens comics so far. Mark Verheiden, who is actually a well-established genre television writer. He worked on Falling Skies, Battlestar Galactica, Smallville. He even wrote the screenplays to The Mask and Time Cop. He has some cred here in the sci-fi universe. I think he had a really interesting take on how to do an Alien 3 that Fox did not pursue. But this concluding chapter, not only does it have a bad premise, it's badly told. There's only four issues. Two of the issues are talking about what they should do and getting to this mythical super queen planet. It only takes one issue, 24 pages, for them to capture the alien queen. All we really see of what I can only presume is the home world of the alien is it's a gray swamp. The book goes into a little bit more detail about fungus and moss and high winds. But basically, they land in a pool of water. There are five giant eggs yoked together and bursting out of them are these super drones protecting a super queen. Of course, it falls to Ripley to actually wrestle the super queen in an outfit based on the cargo loader suit she had at the climax of Aliens, the one that she used to throw the alien out of the airlock. Well, here she's outfitted everyone in a new design of that thing, and they're all punching aliens and grabbing them, and she, of course, manages to get that bitch thrown into their ship. She actually had a cargo hold of a ship protected by layering it with alien skin. So even if it bleeds its acid blood, the ship will resist all of her defenses and they can take her safely back to Earth in the Kurtz. Sort of a loving nod to Apocalypse Now and the Joseph Conrad story in which it's based. Kurtz was the character played by Marlon Brando. It was the focus of Martin Sheen's mission and they've been playing with that imagery throughout. Well, here the Kurtz is going to be the one to bring the alien home. No joy to this at all. I mean, Sigourney Weaver, the actress, often complained that there were very few screenwriters that she met that could actually write for Ripley because they tended to write her as a drill sergeant. I know what she means now that I see this adventure. Ripley is a ridiculous caricature of what she had to be to save Newt at the end of Aliens. I mean, she's all barking orders and aggression and... She's lost any sense of not just femininity, but humanity now. She is literally just this bitch. It's a horrible conception for the character, made even more horrible in the graphic novel. Not only do Ripley and Newt look nothing like the characters that we've seen before, I'm looking at how they're dressed and thinking, who rubbed the lamp? Literally, all they need is bells on the toes, and they could be some kind of genie, Barbara Eden from a sitcom. I mean, there's all these flowing capes and tunics, and it's it's hideous. I don't know the artist, Sam Keith. Apparently, he's created a very cool comic called The Max, and he had worked up at this point on Sandman and Fish Police and some cool underground art. 
in his own world, he probably does great work, but his marriage with the Alien series is disastrous, and it really is just the final straw on a bad series here. It's ending on a bad note anyway. It's been improperly written that we have Ripley here now, and she doesn't even look right. I mean, I can't even enjoy the vicarious thrills that he did in the last series, which I thought in the end, issue two of the Aliens comic book was kind of a non-adventure. You know, they went to a place and somebody tried to train aliens as soldiers and it didn't work and nothing changed. You know, drama is based on change. Nothing changed out of that. But it was fun to look at. The art was great. Here, at least it's short. (laughs) That's all that I'm thinking. So in the graphic novel, now on the last issue, and Ripley has dragged the Supermom back to Earth to set about the plan to collect all the aliens that she will automatically demand telepathically, all aliens come to her. But Newt has conflict with this plan because she's been hoping this whole time to return to Earth's surface and save her version of herself. There has been this little girl making... I guess you'd call them blogs, video rescue signals from the surface of Earth. Her name is Amy, and her age changes from 6 to 12. I'm not exactly sure how old she is, but she's a little girl much like Newt was to Ripley. Newt wants to come and save her. Ripley just wants to enact a plan, and everything else is to be considered collateral damage. So that's the conflict between the two women as they get their female villain to the surface. The book has a different wrinkle, and I kind of like it. It's a familiar one. Oddly enough, it plays much like the gimmick of Alien Resurrection. We didn't know what happened to Ripley in the 10 years she's been gone in the novelization because this isn't Ripley. After her battle with the Super Queen, she goes to the med lab, and they find out that she is the most perfect replica of a human being that has ever been encountered, but she is an android. This is not Ripley. This is Ripley Bot. And Ripley doesn't know why the company created her, but she did die on the prison planet. She did take that plummet. She did take the alien with her. All of that stuff that happened in the Fincher movie is true. And now the company has created a robot replica. I don't think it was to extract the alien from her stomach like Alien Resurrection did. She's a robot after all and not a clone. But Ripley now feels like she's a danger to the mission, that at any point, hardwired inside her brain could be a company program that means it will be about preserving the alien and not destroying it. And so she wants to withdraw from the mission. She no longer feels capable of leading it. It's it's an interesting ripple. I like it, but so much else has gone wrong. I'm not loving it. But I think it plays better. And I'm impressed that, hey, they did try to keep continuity. I thought maybe the novelist finally gave up and realized that there was no way to have Ripley here without breaking continuity. But he did it and reached a similar conclusion that Joss Whedon did with his Alien Resurrection script. And like in the comic book, there is this Amy element that Newt does go off and try to save Amy while Ripley is setting up the bombs and putting the Super Queen in a area where all the aliens will take some time to reach her. They're on a mountaintop because they can't land in a city or they'll be overrun before they can detonate. And in the comic, it's sort of how Newt and Ripley put aside their differences 
is that Ripley and Newt work together to save little Amy. That rescuing the little innocent child within, it all becomes metaphor for how they have reclaimed their own humanity and, and remember what's important here, what they're really fighting for. What it really means is that they have a page and a half of them storming into an alien nest and grabbing a little girl and then leaving. It plays terribly, but I suppose in terms of character growth, it's needed that we finally see Newt and Ripley put aside their differences to save a little girl. And Ripley, in the comic book, has been spewing this line about how she doesn't care about saving Earth. She just wants revenge. While here, she's connecting with the idea that she does want to save at least some Earthlings. Something about humanity is worth saving. But everything else happens so fast and according to plan that it really... Again, we have all of Earth rescued from the xenomorphs in one issue, and it couldn't be less exciting. I mean, it's sloppy. You know, they try to play up the drama of the super mother and how she tries to get inside their heads and control their minds and make them do her will, but... It doesn't really work like that. It plays like a replay of the airlock scene at the end of the Cameron movie. It really is a bunch of bitch slapping and grunting and, you know, women wrestling women. And it's a come down. Not just from James Cameron's Aliens. Not just from David Fincher's Alien 3 or even Alien Resurrection. It's a come down from what this series had promised. It started with such promise. I really enjoyed that first run. Those first six issues in black and white were so terrific. I was willing to concede that maybe this was the more satisfying way to go with an Alien 3 storyline. But if this is where it was going to end up, thank God we got the movies we did. The ambition of trying to save Earth after it had been overrun. I didn't even need this as a storyline. It wasn't my expectation. I don't love Ripley because she is the only one that's able to kill an alien. I think that this was the wrong tack. I think if you're going to bring Ripley back, yes, you did need to deal with her relationship with Earth, and we did want to see her get here. But the idea that she can hit a button and wipe out every alien that's on the planet surface because she threw this super queen down on the surface is lame. Really lame. And in novelization form, the fact that it's not really Ripley, and we never find out why a robot version of her was created. I mean, at least in Alien Resurrection, there's an explanation for why there are Ripley clones here. We can only presume that in future installments, they'll tell this tale, but they don't. Actually, all of the Alien comics that follow this storyline take a different tack, and probably a healthier approach. They keep the xenomorphs in here, but they don't have Ripley, Newt Hicks, or Billy Wilkes. They don't carry over the characters that are established in this three-story arc. This is the end of the Ripley comic book storyline. So, it's just a dangling thread that we never know why she was created as Ripley Bot. And you know, what about the space jockey? That was a big part of the last issue of the first series. That hovering over Earth was another alien race who was just waiting for it to be terraformed so that it could colonize Earth. In the comic, Newt, who has rescued Amy and is now reflecting on her adventure, thinks, ah, let him have it. (laughs) It doesn't really matter. We'll go somewhere else. But Dark Horse actually did issue a one-off that it threw out in one of its Dark Horse Presents side issues that basically shows that the space jockey meets with the president of the U.S., who puts a hit on him and takes him out. And even that storyline is just 
abruptly ended and humans go back and colonize Earth again. In the future installments of Aliens comics, we have new characters, but their adventures are all on a reclaimed Earth. And the concluding panel of the comic gives some impression that even though a bomb went off and most all the creatures were wiped out, there were some that were dug deep that'll be crawling out, that the population of xenomorphs is low, but that they will still be there to fight the future fight. I'm not down, I gotta say. I am an alien fan. I am an alien movie fan. I don't necessarily need to explore the rest of the extended universe that plays out here. Kind of left a bitter taste in my mouth. I'd like to believe that they went on to tell some good stories, but I'm not interested in picking up where they've left the series. I'm interested in going to Prometheus. See, Ridley Scott, one of the originators of the whole franchise, really talk about what his version of the space jockey is. I think I'd rather see that than go on and see presidents doing hits on space jockeys and coming up with super, super mothers. And I feel like the comic book had peaked. It shown its hand. There wasn't a lot that it was going to do beyond the first series that was really narratively impressive. But I still do recommend that first series, those first six Alien comics. I mean my recommend. I think that you should read them. Everything else, well, you've been warned. That second series was a lightweight story done with nice art. So read the comic book. But Female War, Earth War, I wouldn't mess with this conclusion at all. Come up with your own ending. I'm sure it's better than what's concocted here. This is a true letdown. And I remember even at the time, even as I collected the comics, I stopped at this point. I don't know what they did beyond it. But I do know what I'm doing next week. We are taking a break from the Giger Xenomorph and continuing to read about aliens of a different sort. Over at our sister podcast, NowPlayingPodcast.com, we have a donation drive that's going on where we're covering the alien movies of Spielberg. And that includes E.T., Next week, we'll release our podcast covering E.T. If you can find $25 to donate, you can hear that show. But over here at Books and Nachos, I'll be covering its only-in-book-form sequel. Spielberg swore he would never film a sequel to E.T., but he did allow a sequel to be written and published. E.T., The Book of the Green Planet, that is what we're covering here next week. So until then, keep reading. Thanks for joining me. I've really enjoyed revisiting Aliens, the comic universe. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Books and Nachos. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes, and you can catch back episodes at our website, booksandnachos.com. The music for Books and Nachos is The Right Prescription by Chai Weapon, which can be downloaded at podsafeaudio.com. Books and Nachos is a Venganza Media production. Copyright 2012. All rights reserved.